Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. And we have made Vows to Keep. And we are hoping that this broadcast helps you keep your vows as well. We are in part two of a two-part series, How to Spot Temptation's Pitfalls in Your Marriage. So we've talked about the first temptation, which is the temptation of what is physical. Today, we're going to be talking about two other temptations, testing God's word as if it isn't true and the temptation of power and glory. Ironically, you're going to see that all three temptations we are talking about, Eve experienced in the Garden of Eden and Jesus experienced in the desert when Satan came to tempt him. And they're the exact same temptations that you're going to experience in your own personal life and within your marriage. And as if that was not ironic enough, right? smack dab in the middle of us making this two-part series i took a little business trip to las vegas nevada temptation capital united states and i hear it definitely lived up to its reputation (laughs) like tracy said the second temptation we're going to be talking about is testing god's word as if it isn't true and you might be thinking to yourself uh that's not something i really deal with that's not something that we're facing in our marriage see if you can relate to this story we've observed many couples that are coming for help in their marriage simply because they're no longer willing to apply God's word. Phrases we often hear is, you know what, I tried that. I've already done that. And what once was an attempt at following God's word, although not totally completely successful in how they execute it, has now turned into them literally following their own feelings and their own heart's desires, as if that is a better path that's going to pay off. Many times we don't see the fruit that we're looking for right away that God's word promises when we do things his way. And so we tend to give up and use our own hearts as the compass. And it's in the little smallest decisions that we actually see this playing out. They're not the big massive things, right? We're talking about the smallest of choices that you're making when you think no one is watching. Like the way you talk to one another, when God's word says to be humble and gentle, and you're using an angry tone and hurtful words. Or when God asks you to be faithful with your heart and your eyes, but you're thinking just one little look won't hurt. Or maybe it's your finances, choosing to frivolously waste money rather than be a God-honoring steward of what he's given you. If you missed last week's broadcast, we would encourage you to go back and catch that. But stay with us here today. We're going to read Genesis chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at these parallel tracks between Eve and Jesus both being tempted by Satan. Genesis 3, these two verses say, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. He's talking, of course, about taking that fruit that God said to stay away from. Satan told Eve, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. And in Matthew 4, picking up in verse 5, it says, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, Throw yourself down, for it's written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus responded to him, Again it's written, You shall not put the Lord our God to the test. 
So in the Genesis account, we see that the devil hadn't quite convinced Eve to eat of the tree yet. So he steps up his game. He tries another temptation with a promise, a promise he can't deliver on. He's tempting her with what she could gain out of the situation. You're going to be like God. God's trying to withhold something from you. If you do this, you're going to have everything you want. And certainly you're not going to die. He's tempting her with the fact that God is trying to withhold something from you. And and you can have it. All you've got to do is eat this one little bite. Eve definitely did not stand on what God had told her to do, just like you and I don't stand on God's promises. We listen to Satan's lies instead. Now, in the Matthew account, Satan took Jesus to the highest point of the temple. It was about a 450-foot drop down. And he tempted Jesus to test the validity of God's word. He said, jump. You said yourself in Psalm 91 that angels will help you. So you're not even going to hurt your foot. You're going to be fine. So many times we do follow Satan's advice to take the jump, to fall to the lie, to sin, thinking that we're going to be just fine in the end. Thankfully, Christ didn't do that. Jesus quoted scripture against Satan. He relied on God's power. He relied on God's word. He knew that human power had fallen to this trick in the past. And because he was fully man and fully God, he really did have the choice before him to do the will of the flesh or the will of God. And much to our advantage, he chose the way of God. I can only imagine being in that situation. If I was Jesus, I would have been like, I'm going to show you, Satan, exactly what I can do. I'm so glad we have a humble Savior. It should be noted that Satan did something very interesting in both of these temptations, and he does it to us as well. He twists what God said. In Genesis, he says, God knows that your eyes are going to be open. In Matthew, he actually quotes God's word against God. How is he twisting God's word in your life right now? What has he convinced you of? That's not true. It's crazy to think about Satan using God's word as a way to get someone to do something that they shouldn't do. But believe it or not, it happens all the time. And this is one of the reasons why we stressed so heavily in our last broadcast about knowing God's word, because many verses are actually taken out of context in such a way that it becomes easy for us to hear God's word as if it was a law and for us to be expected to do something just like the Pharisees would. So often we miss the heart of Christ. We miss the heart of our heavenly father loving us with his word. One time I had a friend come to me. She was having trouble in her marriage and she had convinced herself that God wanted her to leave her marriage because after all, doesn't God want us to be happy? Now there are scriptures that say God has our best in mind. He's got good plans for us and her marriage wasn't working out the way she wanted, but it would never be God's will for her to divorce her husband. That would be going against God's word. Have you ever read in Ecclesiastes where it says life is meaningless? That's such a great example, Tracy. I'm glad you brought that up because Solomon was stuck deep in sin and his sin had some very severe consequences in his life. And when you're in the middle of all those severe consequences, I think we've all been there where it can feel so confusing. We don't know which way is up and we often do not want to assume responsibility for our own actions. That was right where he was when he wrote those words. We know that life is not meaningless, that God's word tells us our life has meaning in Christ. So we're asking you to not only know God's word, but to be aware enough of it that as you hear different truths from it, that you know 
the full context because God is faithful to give us the picture of lots of flawed men and women who tried to walk through life in much the same way that we do, struggling with temptation. The enemy's lies look like fun, don't they? Or they look like something that could give us what we want, something that is going to benefit us. They are attractive. They are appealing. That's why we fall for them. Just because the devil is evil doesn't mean that all he does is going to be recognizably ugly. We see it as attractive most of the time. In fact, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says that Satan himself makes himself look like an angel of light. That's why we need to line up everything we're hearing with the truth of God's word. Now, in order to know the truth, we've got to read his word like we talked about yesterday. We need to study his word. I encourage you to be in Bible study with other people. David meets every Saturday morning with other guys studying God's word. I meet with other women at times studying God's word. You can do it on your own as well. Commit to being in God's word every day. I want to ask you right now, what does your time in God's word look like? To be honest, mine can be a little sporadic. It's a little hit and miss. I think David could relate with that. Absolutely. Our daughter who helped us write this broadcast about temptation, she actually shared this with a group of moms and daughters at a retreat this last fall. She has an exemplary Bible reading commitment every morning, no matter what. She'll even get up at five something sometimes if necessary. So she never misses her time in the word. Now she's in high school. She's taking college classes. She's trying to take everything that this world throws at her and line it up with God's word. And she knows if she doesn't stay in the Bible every day, she's going to get off track. Now, even if I commit to be in the Bible every day, I can get in a rut. I start to kind of glaze over when I'm reading a familiar passage. So here are some tips for staying in God's word as we talk about temptation and combating it with truth. For me, sometimes I will pick up the message version of the Bible and I'll read Psalms and Proverbs out of there for like a month or so. It's so refreshing. Listening to God's word audibly in your car while you drive or maybe on an app while you work out also gets God's word in your heart when you don't have time to read it. Have God's word playing in music while you're working in the garage or around the house. And I've got to tell you, one of the best ways to stay in God's word is to have someone in your life, like your husband or your wife, frequently ask you where you're reading, what you've read lately, what God is teaching you in his word, and when the last time was that you were in the Bible studying so that you know what it says. What we're talking about is accountability. So true, Tracy. In your own life, I bet you have gone one way or the other. Sometimes you choose the right thing and you see the awesome blessings from God from that. And sometimes you choose the wrong way. Well, we're going to talk about two characters from the Bible, one where someone, in this case, King David, had no intention of jumping into sin, and yet he did, and another where the person could have jumped, but instead they stood on the truth of God's word. Yeah, these are the stories of David and Bathsheba and Joseph and Potiphar's wife. And these are so relevant because, as I said in the beginning of the broadcast, I just came back from Las Vegas, a place in which sexual temptation is everywhere. Well, picture this scene with David and Bathsheba. David was sitting on his palace roof, looking at all the things he ruled. As he looked, he saw a beautiful young lady bathing on her own rooftop a little distance away. David, seeing this, I don't think he had initially made up his mind right away what he was gonna do in that situation. And that was the very first problem because he let the enemy's temptation of this woman lead him into a deep sin that affected many people. You probably know this story by heart as well. 
It's encouraging also to read Joseph's story when Potiphar's wife tried to tempt him into an affair. As soon as Satan set that trap, Joseph was out of there. He didn't dwell on jumping for even just a moment. And as you can imagine, the outcome was very different for him than it was for David. I want to interject real quick, though, Trace. I I think that one of the things that's really interesting about Joseph's story is that we actually see Joseph pays a very high price for doing the right thing before God. Now, it was all part of God's plan, but Joseph actually goes to prison because Potiphar's wife tells a lie to Potiphar about what happened in this situation. And at that moment in time, I have to think to myself, if I was him, here I am doing what God has asked and I'm paying a price for it. And that's really the point I want to make to you and I today is that many times avoiding Satan's temptations still come with a cost. Obeying God oftentimes means a short-term amount of worldly pain. And we'll question to ourselves all the time, why didn't I go for the short-term gain? Ultimately, we see that in Joseph's life, that's not where the story ends. Well, let's consider this in light of marriage. I think many of us right now are facing situations where there's a temptation to do something that we know doesn't honor God. The most basic example I can think of are all the people listening to my voice right now that are contemplating divorce. They see that there is a way out. Now, Joseph also faced a way out of his situation. That could have been to actually give Potiphar's wife what she wanted, and that was him. But he he chooses to honor God and not do that. That high price he paid is not an unusual thing. When we make these same kind of choices about sticking with someone who's, who's deep in sin, and not just tolerating that, not just staying there to, to say, okay, well, if I just stay here, we'll have an, a marriage that will honor God. No. Instead saying, if I stay here, I have an, a point of influence. I have the ability to love someone in a way that they will eventually come to realize they don't deserve. I have the ability to fulfill James chapter 5, where it says, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, consider this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Satan's greatest desire in these temptations is not only for us to dive into the temptation as he first presents it, but then for us to relish in the pain that we experience when we choose to stay on God's course. Live like Jesus, know God's word, know what it asks you to do, be ready to run with it. David received the consequences of his actions, the result of listening to Satan's lies, and Joseph received the results of his actions too. He set himself up for blessing after blessing. God gave him his own family. God gave him reunion with his extended family. They were reconciled once again, and he was placed in a position where he could bless a nation. What are you doing with the temptations that are in front of you today? Are you turning from them or are you jumping right into them? Being very personal about this, I was in Las Vegas this last week attending an event. What struck me about this was that I saw myself as someone who would never really be worried about the temptation of other women. And of course, if you've ever been to Las Vegas, you know that there are those temptations everywhere. It occurred to me 
very shortly after getting there that I could no longer take for granted the fact that I wouldn't have a decision to make. In fact, I did have a decision to make and many of them. And on several occasions, I even reached out to Tracy just to say, hey, I want you to know where I'm at. I want you to know what's going on. I need you to pray for me. What this meant for me on an hour by hour basis was that I needed God's word going through my mind moment by moment. I needed the truth, the promises that God has given us about a marriage that's done in a way that glorifies him and how that ultimately is for our best and for our good. Those were the truths that I needed to focus on. And although that whole time was an unexpected thing for me to even think I was going to be tempted, it was the only way I could get through those temptations with being true to not only God, but to Tracy. We definitely prayed a lot together over this last week, and I'm so grateful for God's faithfulness to our marriage and David's faithfulness to lean on God's word for his strength. We know temptation is going to come. Sometimes it comes at us out of the blue, like it did for David this last week. And sometimes Satan sets us up over the long haul. He has a long lie that he has been telling us for many years and we're slowly bowing to it over time. The last temptation that we're going to talk about is one thing that he can do slowly over a period of time. It's the temptation for power or glory. And he used both of these with Eve and Jesus And he uses them with us as well. In Genesis 3, 5, the devil said to Eve, if you do this, if you eat this and disobey God, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. She would have power. And in Matthew chapter 4, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Again, offering power and glory, something that he can't even deliver. What's interesting about all of this is that this trick that Satan used against Eve was one that showed that actually Satan was trying to take power from God. And he thought they could get that by making the creation of God, Adam and Eve, fall from glory. Think about that. He's still trying to get the upper hand in your life and in mine, still trying to win by tripping us up with this long con sort of game promise of power, the promise of authority, the promise of control. The woman was convinced of his lies. So she ate of the fruit along with her husband and all of humanity was subject to spiritual death because of that sin. Jesus was not convinced by Satan's lies. You remember he shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and says, Hey, I will let you have all of these things. If you just take a minute and worship me. Now imagine Jesus' response. I cannot imagine the fury he must have felt like, get out of here, Satan. Because the word says that you worship the Lord, your God, and serve him only. The truth was what set him free. So it's really the outcome of these stories that we have to focus on because this is what still applies to us in this day and age. So here's what happens in Genesis. Instead of what the devil promised, right? The devil wants that power, that glory. He wanted to be God. He wanted to tempt us as humans with the very same thing. But what did he get? Well, the opposite of his intention. He got the shame and the disgrace and the weakness. And we can see what God has said to Satan in Genesis chapter three. It says, because you've done this, you're cursed above all livestock, above all the beasts in the field. And on your belly, you're going to go. Dust is what you're going to eat all the days of your life. Not only that, David, but Eve paid the high price as well. Remember how we talked earlier about how when Jesus was tempted in the desert by Satan, he didn't dwell on the temptation. He knew right away what he would do. Well, we're going to look at someone else in the Bible for a minute who did that. You probably remember from your childhood Bible lessons, Daniel in the lion's den, right? 
Well, before that happened to him, before he got thrown into the den of lions for praying to God when he was told that he shouldn't, this is what Daniel chapter one says. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. See, in his young age, Daniel determined in his heart to obey God, even when it was hard. He was faithful to let God have control over the situation. And therefore, God was able to use him in extraordinary ways and to bless him abundantly. Well, let's get very practical about this. I love to work with other husbands and talk with other husbands about how to be a God-honoring husband. And one of the problems that we so often struggle with is this issue of power and control. In Eve's case, she wanted control of something that she didn't really know. She wanted to know good and evil. But did she really get that control? Uh, Sort of. She got the power of knowing good and evil, but that was for sure. But that wasn't the control that she had in mind. And I think it's the same for many husbands. Many husbands recognize that they are given the responsibility to spiritually lead their family, and they will get on their high horse about leading all kinds of things which are not that in a way that is totally domineering and not honoring to their family. It becomes about their authority and not God's authority. And I think women are afraid of losing control or not having the control, the reins in the family. So they try to usurp their husband continually. And when they do that, they're usurping God as well. They're convinced by Satan that if they're in control, everything will go just right. We can relate this to forgiveness as well. Have you ever been tempted to hold something against your spouse to not forgive them because you feel like if you don't forgive, somehow you're still in control? It's crazy because when Satan tempts us with this, we are literally pushing away the very people we need the greatest degree of unity with. Our sin takes shape in the form of our attitude. The very thing that we think we're going to be doing by maintaining that control, not forgiving, ultimately never delivers the happiness that we think it could. And this is because God is the only one who's sovereign. In God's word, we find many great examples of where God calls us to forgive. And knowing that truth allows us to resist the temptation to hold unforgiveness in our marriage because unity is God's goal. And that's what forgiveness will yield. But Satan, his goal is to divide your marriage. Satan's desire is to make your marriage not tell the truth about your creator, but in fact, make a mockery of him. Let's read from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, where Jesus reminds us, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And here's my favorite part. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. This verse took on such shape in this last week while I was in Las Vegas, recognizing that the way of escape was calling my wife and saying, these are the things that I'm so grateful for a part of our marriage, that there's no temptation that Satan can throw in the city of Las Vegas that God hasn't provided an even better path for inside our marriage. In conclusion, if you're realizing that you have always listened to the enemy's lies and you don't know the voice of Jesus, you haven't made him your Lord and Savior, but you want to, you want to live by the truth, you can start that today. God did make a way for us to come back to him through his son, Jesus, even despite our sin. And he wants to have a relationship with you. If you're ready to be reconciled to God and reconciled to your spouse, if you're ready to overcome the temptations you have been 
battling against. Feel free to reach out to us at vowstokeep.com on our contact page. We would love the opportunity to talk with you, not only to share more about who Jesus is, but how through very practical application of his word, we can overcome the temptations that so often take down our marriages. Vows to Keep is supported by a team which includes biblical coaches, writers, and pastoral advisors. If you have a desire to serve marriages in your community, we would love to hear from you. Vows to Keep is a not-for-profit marriage ministry designed to bring God's encouraging truth to the marriages of our area. As a not-for-profit organization, our commitment to Christ-like marriages includes providing much-needed services regardless of a couple's financial ability to offset the cost of Vows to Keep operations. If you are unable to donate your time or abilities but would like to help support Vows to Keep financially, visit VowsToKeep.com and click on the donate link. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.